Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Corey Tulliba and Albert Gim of the Draft Jack podcast and No Ceilings NBA to discuss their takeaways from the early season, including Corey's number one most underrated player, their thoughts on Amani Bates, is he back, and so much more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we're now available on all platforms. And today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweater odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. And who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Scholl, a play-by-play broadcaster. Typically, I would be joined by Alex Wolf, the excellent editor-in-chief of The Strickland, which you can check out at thestrick.land on all forms of social media. But instead, I got my buddies uh, from No Ceilings NBA, Albert Kim, Corey Tulliba. We're talking uh, Jairus Walker, Amani Bates, a whole bunch of other interesting prospects and who their top choice would be for the Knicks if they land somewhere in the late lottery range, 8 to 16. I don't know about you guys. I feel like that's a pretty fair projection. So without further ado, let's get into it with Corey and Albert, starting with Corey's take on who the most underrated player in the NBA draft is going to be. Possibly could by putting him at number three on my board when he's ranked by consensus as the 10th ranked guy, but there are outlets that, you know, preseason had him out of the first round. There are outlets that have him hovering around like 17 or 18. Um, But what he, what I've been trying to do through this process is not necessarily go by like, who's going to have the best college season uh, or, you know, who is going to, you know, have be the most consistent player night in, night out. I'm trying to look at guys who fit the direction of the NBA and you aren't just projecting them for now and looking at them because they're the leading scorer on their college team. But guys that could do, you know, maybe have a little bit more inside of them that people think, and the rest of the stuff that pops is is going to be stuff that goes more under the radar unnoticed, maybe isn't the stuff that you see on the stat sheet. And with Jairus Walker, he's 6'8", he's 240, with a 7'2 wingspan. And that 240 is not like, oh, he's got some baby fat that he needs to lose. Like, he would go in and body NBA players yesterday. You know, he is just a a man amongst boys. And um, when I look at his skills, you know, I see flashes of guys like Scotty Barnes and Patrick Williams and Jeremy Grant and guys who are just having like a tremendous amount of success at the next level, or at least that archetype is. And he's a guy that can legitimately guard one through five because that 240 pounds allows him to 
you know, wall up when he gets switched onto a big, if there's a big who goes at him in the post, are you going to start him against Nikola Jokic? Obviously, you know, that, that would be disastrous, which mostly is for anybody who guards Jokic. So maybe it's something worth trying, but I, I think that his playmaking ability and his ability to, you know, be a guy that you can run action for on the elbow and you get into DHOs and, you know, he could either make passes or he's got such a quick explosive first step that he can go and finish at the rim. I think he's a much better three-point shooter than, you know, people are projecting him to be. Uh, I think he's confident and I think he's got a good handle and creation ability. And I just look at, you know, what he could be at the NBA level and I'm like, I'm seeing it. And he's going to a Houston team that is, they're just made of dogs. So personality-wise, he fits right in. I think they're going to make a run to the final four because he's playing with a guy like Marcus Sasser, who, you know, I'm also very high on. Um, and, you know, they just play very NBA style. He's going to get, you know, just great coaching and a great experience. And I think by the time this process is over, we're going to start hearing his name a lot earlier. I, do I think he's going to go third overall? No, I don't. But I do think that as a prospect, right now and what i've seen early on there's nothing that's changed my mind to, to move me off that spot i just love everything he brings to the table and i just i'm excited to see if i'm either a fool based on what i watched pre-college or if i'm vindicated by by what i saw in the high school tape what, what do you think of him as like an overall like creator like both for himself and others because to me that's interesting with someone like scotty barnes where i again very at a very amateur level like i, I didn't totally get the hype like coming out of college was like, all right, like, is this guy scoring? Like, he's not even, he's not even starting, but it feels like there is more of a premium on someone who like defensively to your point, you're never going to have to take off the floor is never going to be a liability in any situation. And then offensively just has like basically like just everything in their toolbox to fit in, in any context, like versus someone like, I mean, obviously this person's no longer considered a top five prospect, but someone like an Amani Bates, who's just a pure scorer, but then maybe lacks in all those other areas. Yeah. So for me, like, I, I really like his creation ability. Like, do I mm. think he's going to develop into a number one option, maybe like Kawhi Leonard did or something? Uh, the odds are against that for like almost any prospect that you're right. going to draft ever, like in any draft. Uh, but I, I think that he's got some real creative stuff out on the wing and like, you can't bump him off his spot. So he's got this tight, low handle with these long arms. Um, you can't really disrupt him. And then, much like Scotty, he's shown these really impressive flashes in the mid-range. Like, he's got this smooth turnaround jumper. It's got soft touch. I, I think that the creation stuff is, a, is what is underrated. Because I think that most people just look at him as, like, an energy, maybe defensive guy. And I'm trying to see what kind of X's and O's stuff NBA teams are doing and what players are having success. And he just reminds me so much of all of these guys who are yeah. like Jeremy Grant is is who anybody could have gotten for so cheap is such a big part of what Portland's doing right now. Portland outside of Jeremy Grant, like they went and just got a ton of these wings who could just do so much on the floor and be interchangeable. And it's played, you know, paid huge dividends for them. You know, they're, they're just guys all over the place, like Nas little and um, you know, just guys who, people were finding on the scrap heaps like these guys are working in this modern NBA with the way teams are playing so that's what I'm forecasting with Jarris Walker and um so far I like what I see at the college level 
Yeah, I think there, there's something interesting about like just having one of those like pure, like tiny, like offensive first point guards, whether it's a Dame, whether it's a Trey Young. And I mean, we even saw this with Steph back in the day before he became a really good defender and just throwing as many like long bodies around them as possible. And for like most of Dame's prime, like Portland was attempting that, but they had these guys that were so limited in offense, like Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless. And it feels like late in his career, they finally, they, what'd you say? Nick Batum, even Nick Batum, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, and like he, he might have been the best version of that, but right, for sure. it, 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 it's kind of like they've finally found like the right like balance there and like found two way guys. And that that's where those guys are really valuable because it feels like I, I don't know, Albert, you can comment on this. Like, not not that obviously Trey Young and, and Dame Lillard aren't a dime a dozen, but more than ever, like you you can find those scoring point guards. And, and it seems weird because those are the guys that are going to lead your team in scoring. But it's it's almost like the fallacy of, of drafting a quarterback too early in fantasy football. Like, yes, he's going to be the leading scorer, but there's so much scarcity at other positions. You want to take a running back first, like maybe like do these wings become like continue to become even more valuable in that. Like, all right, we can find we can find the point guard, but we need the person who can cover up their weaknesses. All right, guys, when we come back, uh, we are going to continue some takeaways from the Champions Classic. And then I want to get some thoughts on Amani Bates because he had an incredible game against the Michigan Wolverines. And I wanted to know if he could potentially be a steal for this draft. The Knicks could certainly use a high-level shot maker. Uh, but before we get into that, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Personally, I'm going and looking at MVP odds. Look, Jason Tatum is rightfully the heavy favorite at this point. Pains me to save. Celtics are the best team in the league. He's the best player on it. Makes a whole lot of sense. But the Warriors, starting with that game against the Knicks, have been playing a lot better of late. And Steph Curry is having just an absurd out-of-body type of season. So I wouldn't mind putting some money down on him. He's only 10 to 1. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. No, I, I 100% agree with that, right? Guard play is unbelievable in the in the NBA right now. But I, I also think the point that Corey's making about what a guy like Jarius Walker can become speaks to what I think the NBA is trending towards as well. These teams are looking for jumbo playmakers, right? Guys who have great size and can also play both ways, but also can be guys that you rely on to make decisions for you with the ball in their hands. And I think I, Corey's the one who put me on to Jarius Walker a couple months back and a guy that I also have really high on my big boy. I think I also have him at three. It, it, he's a guy that, as Corey mentioned, when you look at him, you might think of, oh, like he, what he, his physique looks a lot like Isaiah Stewart. Okay, so he, he'll rebound for us and he'll maybe learn how to shoot a three-pointer or whatever. Like He'll be, an, as Corey said, an energy guy. Maybe he's he's the second coming of Jason Maxiel is what people might think looking at him. What a name. Great but, <laughs> Jason Maxiel, Ryan Gomes, two names I didn't expect to hear in this podcast. <laughs> That's what you get when you're with us. Let's go. <laughs> but I will say with Jairus Walker, he is much more than what you may assume about him. He's a guy who, as Corey, I, I know Corey went on a long thing about his game, but the stuff that he can do with the ball in his hands is what I think the modern NBA is going to be looking for and why I know for both of us him being third on our big boards might seem ridiculous but who knows maybe by the end of the NBA season NBA teams really start to pay attention to him and realize okay like he's the type of guy that we want on our team either making decisions for us or helping make 
decisions for us is I think the type of ceiling that he has because the handle with him is real. The passing with him is real. And then you watch him play defense for five minutes and you're going to get blown away with the intensity and his ability on that side of the ball as well. And then we talk about the shooting upside and everything's there. So once again, he is kind of this full package prospect that I think teams should be looking at. And to go back to your original question, yeah, there guards are kind of everywhere. Right, guys who can score and can put the you know put the ball in the ba- in the basket, but guys like Jarris Walker who had that type of size and physique, but can do so much more than just be energy guys, are going to become I think more common, but for now are pretty rare and hard to find. No, I think it's a great point, and I think we we see it every year, like come playoff time, where where you're really picking on individual defenders, but but simultaneously you're, you're doing the same thing on defense, where, where you're picking on poor offensive players, and that that means leaving them alone and ignoring them, like those those subtle differences, like during the reg, like a full full regular season, like this isn't a good example, but like a, like a, a prime Nick Batum compared to like a Scotty Barnes, like might not make a huge difference, and then in round three of the playoffs, like that slight upgrade and like in passing and an ability to say, all right, you're, you're going to put like a smaller guy on me or right, I'll take him to the post and I'll, I'll torch him. Like I, I, it's not just that I'll shoot over him. Like all, all that stuff is, is additive and it makes a substantial difference. So I guess while, while we're on the topic of big games, we, we were talking about this a little earlier with, with the scoot Wemby conversation, but that champions classic the other night, I always, I always like those things as, as early season benchmarks. And of course it's easy to read too little into them like even even ncaa tournament games like everyone if, if i'm remembering correctly joel Embiid wasn't great during the ncaa tournament Does, doesn't seem like it mattered that much he's he's really great so um there, there's a balance to be struck there but i do like them as early measuring stick points of younger guys so so Corey, i'll, I'll throw it back to you what what were your takeaways from from the other night so i got to uh stream the first game between michigan state and Kentucky with uh, a few of the guys and, and gals at No Ceilings. Hmm. And if you were a part of that uh, playback stream with us, you would know that I was like, oh, I can't believe this game is going into overtime and we have to sit here and watch more free basketball. And oh, it's going into another overtime and we still have to stay here. Like it was not a great game from a NBA draft scouting perspective. Like Michigan State is a pretty good college basketball team. Like they have a lot of players that are good college players. I think they're going to be competitive. They're probably going to beat some teams that maybe they're not favored to beat, but not a lot of draft prospects on that, that squad. Um, Kentucky, I think, you know, we've set the over under on when we did over unders on the pot at two and a half draft prospects um, for that team. And, and I think we went under, you know, case and Wallace. Um, he's a guy that Albert is writing about and likes a lot i'm a little cooler on but i completely get the appeal and he did things yesterday that kind of swayed me a little bit and then he did some other things that where i was like this is why i feel this way um but he's a guy that like i think he had seven or eight steals last night and like if you look at his box score you know he was shot 50 percent from the floor he he probably had like five or six assists like he did a lot of nice things he's a very legitimate prospect who has a chance to go anywhere from i think lottery to if things really pop with him and he develops to potentially top 10. So uh, for me, I wish that I I learned a little bit more than I did, but you can't just watch one game. And especially early on in the season when teams are finally playing real teams and they have to adjust to that versus whoever the F state university that they're, they're playing, you know, pre champions classic. So uh, from the game that, that I covered, you know, I, I'm glad I got to finally get a look at Casey Wallace in this context. 
but I'm still left with just as many questions as I were, I, I got answers. Mm. Albert, what about you? Um, I think for me, just going back, cause I, you know, as I mentioned, I was able to uh, watch the Duke Kansas game. I think the first thing that we have to take away from that game is that Jalen Wilson from Kansas is a real guy. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that I think NBA teams are going to pay way more attention to. And we talked about it on the stream last night too, but heading into the season, you know, I, ultimately the team was asking him to fill the role that Ochai Agbaji left as he left for the NBA this past season. And a lot of times when you get a player and you tell him to fill the role of a lead guy from the previous season, that's a big ask, right? It's difficult for a player to come in and to just emulate or to fill those shoes. And in a lot of ways, Jalen Wilson is showing the world like, Hey, I I think I might be up to the task. I mean, he had an an unbelievable game on both ends of the floor. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was a perfect game, but he showed, I think scouts and front offices that he is a guy that, deserves to be mentioned in the in the conversation uh, in terms of him being a first round draft prospect so uh you know some of the shot making he was doing last night was incredible the defense was really really good um he was asked to carry a large burden by that team to go and get shots and make shots and so the fact that he was able to do that was awesome and and the, and the last thing that i did want to talk about was duke um that team i think is going to be really hard to judge until Derek whitehead comes back just because they are a team that they just they have a really hard time creating shots for themselves. So uh, I think we need to wait in terms of how we judge that team. And then Derek Lively came in, who is another highly touted freshman for them, a center. And um, he had a pretty quiet game, wasn't yeah. his best showing. And uh, I, I think that also is another thing where he's a big. And as we know, bigs take time. And he looks like he's going to need some time to develop and to finally, or not finally, but eventually get to where he needs to be to show NBA teams that he's worthy of, you know, being a, a, a highly selected first round pick. So uh, guys like Derek Lively and that team in general at Duke, I think they're going to need some time and they're going to need Derek Whitehead to come back before we can make some big judgments about their outlook this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't prime you guys uh, on this one, but I said his name and I, I realized I want to, I want to know about him. So Amani Bates, a uh, monster first game against Michigan. Um, I know he was, he was a guy who was out of off draft boards at one point with the um, like uh, legal issues this summer that, that seemingly and thankfully have resolved themselves. I, I, I know even despite that, he's someone who's like considered a borderline first round pick coming into the season by most people did that, performance change either of your perceptions on him like like where where will he go where should he go uh just tell, tell me anything you know about Imani Bates uh, I, I either can jump in I think that there will be a team somewhere in the second round that probably takes a shot on a blue chip guy you know similar to how maybe like a team you know Orlando took Caleb Houston or Denver took a shot on oh, yeah who was it with who, and then the Mavs in the second round they got uh, Jaden Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. Hardy. Yeah, like I, I think it may come a little bit later, but who knows if he stays just on like where he's lighting the net on fire. Obviously, things change. Um, I saw him live last year, and it was really tough. It was a tough watch. You know, um, he did. He was a year ahead of everybody. He reclassified, so he was younger. You know, he's supposed to be a senior in high school. You definitely have to take that into account. But there's something about his game. You you touched on it earlier, like how many teams are drafting Imani Bates to come in and be like a guy who they want to be a guy who's, you know, taking the bulk of the shots in the offense. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe there's one team who who thinks he still has that upside and, and they're willing to to bet on it. But I don't know if he does enough outside of the fact that he could be a heat check guy to ultimately, you know, rework himself into a first round grade. You know, he he's just a he he was very advanced early on, and sometimes that's really hard to uh you know kind of evaluate because guys mature physically and they catch up and guys come out of nowhere you know last year Shaden Sharp was a guy who came out a year early and he had an incredible peach jam and jumped up 30 spots in the ranking and all of a sudden he's you know uh, the number one guy in his class like that kind of stuff happens so it's hard on these guys who have all this hype early on and I, I feel like so often you know, we're looking to deem him the next guy to put him on a magazine cover. And very rarely does that work out. Like, I mean, historically, it's like LeBron and Luca, and Luca had the benefit of not being in the spotlight of the American media, you know, like, mm. so I, it's, uh, and, and now we'll see it with Victor. He's been a guy, but obviously he's a, just a freak genetically and, you know, like skill wise. So he's a whole different discussion there's a ton of skinny guys who can jack up shots in the NBA who, if they are given a bigger role can work their way to 20 points. Tim Hardaway jr. Was a guy who was, you know, one of the top options on the Knicks. And, you know, is he a, a guy who is definitely in your top seven or eight of a rotation on a lot of teams? Like not definitely. Yeah. Right. Corey, like, I was, and I like I was thinking of Alonzo Trier when you, when you were, when you were talking about this and I, I, was, I was getting Alonzo. a really bad feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't want to touch on Alonzo Trier. He's a, uh, a, a funny subject if you're deep into the weird, uh, weeds of draft Twitter. Um, mm. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how valuable his skill set is. So I think it's great. And we love a redemption story. Like I'm rooting for him. Mm. And I'm hoping more so than him throwing up a bunch of 25-point games that he's putting up 20 points eight rebounds, four assists, and, like, being efficient and just showing he has more to his game than just a guy who is going to take step-back logo threes because I just don't know if there's a role for him in the NBA if that's who he wants to be. All right, guys, we'll be back one final time with Corey and Albert uh, to make some some predictions on who could be an absolute steal for the New York Knicks if they end up, let's just say, somewhere between the 8 and 16 range in, in the NBA draft. I feel like that's, that's pretty reasonable. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I want to tell you one of, about one of our favorites here on Lockdown Knicks, and that is Sweatblock. This is a product that is near and dear to my heart because I used to be terrified. I went to college in Phoenix, so it was it was really, really hot all the time. I go on dates, and I didn't want the pit sweat. That was my worst nightmare. It's the least attractive thing that could be happening to a person. Or maybe there are some more, but it's, it's, it's in the mix, certainly. Uh, and I finally found a product that totally cures my issues, and it is Sweatblock. The Sweatblock wipes have been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 10,000 five-star reviews. Don't miss this opportunity to try Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweater odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. I, I, I a million percent agree with everything that Corey said. I mean, ultimately, the situation that he was in last year, essentially Penny Hardaway was asking him to be the next Penny Hardaway and to run that team. And it was not the ideal situation. And then now he's gone through a lot. And, you know, sometimes adversity and, you know, mistakes and life decisions, whatever, can uh, mature a man. So I, I don't know yet. I think the 
it's still um, a lot is to be decided with how you know things end up with Imani Bates. But like Corey said, I can 100% see a second round team taking a bet on him. I just I, I don't think I could have him in that first round conversation. I mean, unless he goes supernova and just decides to score 30 points every game then we'll see things the obviously obviously the conversation can change but with what we've seen and with what's going on right now i think it's safe to say that he'll probably go second round or go undrafted and then we'll see what happens from there all right uh let, let's bring this thing full circle to take it home uh the new york knicks uh they will not tank so they will probably end up somewhere between the eighth and the 16th pick in this year's draft, is there one guy that either of you or, or just a general consensus has going in that range uh, that you think could be a good fit for their team? Which is, is, is a very difficult question because they obviously we saw it. We, we, we had you guys on. We talked about this last year. They didn't draft anyone because there wasn't really an obvious hole in the rotation because they, in fact, had too many players. And uh, yeah, anyways, I'll, I'll stop. Corey, what do you think? Man, I guess we'll see what the direction that they ultimately choose. I mean, you know. Obviously, I said that Jarris Walker is, you know, the third-ranked prospect on my board, and he's yeah. currently ranked to go 10, you know, by, by consensus. Uh, Brandon Miller out of Alabama is a guy who came in at 15 um, on those boards, who I have at 5, who is another guy I think is ultimately going to shoot up boards. He's kind of answered a lot of early questions that, that teams had for him, but he's a guy that is, I think, fits the direction of the league. Another 6'9", can do multiple things. His shot has come along, um, can defend a bunch of spots. There was a really hilarious possession in one of his games where he was like calling out a switch with his teammate and his teammate just wasn't doing it. So he just like shoved him into the spot and like they still scored because he was there late. But like, you know, he has like that a basketball feel on both ends that, you know, is kind of impressive. Those are the kind of guys I think would really be ideal. Maybe if somebody really comes out of nowhere as like a, a big wingy shooter, that could be nice, but I still think the Knicks need guys who are guys who could play multiple positions. So you don't have to pigeonhole them and be like, yeah, like Obi's really tough to play with Julius Randle, even, you know, it worked recently. Um, and, and Knicks fans are obviously correct in wanting to see more of it, but <laughs> there are questions there that you have, even yeah. if you are the highest um, on both of those guys as a fit. So if you can find guys who, are unquestionably able to play multiple positions in that spot. I think that's something to really, you know, consider. And that's the guy, again, I would target, because I just feel like that's where the league is headed. Um, unless the Knicks strike gold and they work themselves into that top four conversation, if they ultimately miss out, and then we're, then we're partying. Let's, let's go get Keontae George or, you know, whoever, you know? So, yeah. uh, but that, th those are the kind of guys I would, I would look for if the Knicks, you know, don't make like a playoff run. Ah, this is a tough question for me, um, just because, I mean, going back to our original conversation, what the what the Knicks end up doing, I think, is going to be really interesting. And we there may be a world where they don't even get to pick in the first round this year, right, after certain trades or whatever. But um, if I had to give you an answer, a couple of guys that come to mind for sure, guy like, and once again, like this Knicks team is such a weird team. Like we have so many guys at so many different positions. You start to wonder, well, okay, like who do you draft to play behind 12 different guys is, is kind of difficult, right? But yeah. um, a couple of names that I did want to mention, a guy like Arthur Kaluma from Creighton might be an interesting guy to watch. 
Yeah, Big East guy with great nice. size, developing jump shot, um, a guy who plays really, really hard, who is unafraid of the big moment, had his best game of the season last year in the tournament against Kansas, a guy that I think a lot of teams should be paying attention to. He's one guy that comes to mind. Another guy that uh, Corey and I absolutely love is Jaime Hawkins Jr. from UCLA. Oh, uh, he's just a wing, right? With great size, great physique, improving jump shot, a guy who can make plays with the ball in his hands, but, but, but can also play like a secondary tertiary role as well, which goes to Corey's point, right? You guys, you want guys with that versatility piece, right? So I think Jaime Hawkins Jr. is a guy who could provide that type of versatility as well. And then if, if I want to talk about like a high-end guy, and, and I'm not even like, I, I, Corey already mentioned Brandon Miller, who I absolutely loved and all these guys, but I don't know. Maybe we go back to the Derek Whitehead conversation, right? He might be a guy who, if he never like fully comes back from injury this season and has like a slow start when he gets back and then teams start to get a little cold on him, maybe he drops to the end of the lottery and maybe the Knicks end up there. And then it's kind of the perfect match because he's a really good shooter with decent size and I think has some juice on the ball and may become a really, really good NBA player someday. So those are a couple of guys that come to mind. Um, but overall, for me, like I really do hope the Knicks figure something out here and maybe there's a star out there we can go and get. But um, it's going to be, I don't want to say fun, but it's going to be uh, an interesting season to watch the New York Knicks. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's a tough question when a team simultaneously has, every, has, has no need, but because of that has every need. Um, but you, you guys did an excellent job breaking it down. Uh, bef- before I let you both go, uh, can you tell everyone where they can find uh, all your great work? Yeah, find us at noceilingsmba.com. Uh, we release articles six days a week uh, for free. Just go to the, the website, subscribe, and you can find all of our stuff from the entire team there. There's links to the YouTube. There's uh, links to the podcast, which we have now moved to a daily podcast. So the Draft Act feed has moved to the No Ceilings uh, NBA podcast feed. We have Draft Deeper, uh, Deep Dives, uh, a new show called Home and Away, and then um, the classic No Ceilings show so we have five podcasts every day and you know we're constantly putting out stuff we just had a, a video hit three hundred fifty thousand views on tiktok wow. so we're doing the we're doing the tiktok thing now um we're getting in on it uh trying to keep up with the trend so we're everywhere the the nate nate grubel our, our content manager likes to say no ceilings is everywhere and we're trying to live up to that yeah, I, I, I could, I could speak from experience. No, no, nobody matches the hustle of you guys. That would, that would certainly be in the scouting report. And as always, I've, I have so much fun when I get to talk to you. And, and you know what? I'm someone who is not particularly inclined to watch a ton of college basketball before the tournament in recent years. You, you guys are, you guys are making me want to invest. Check out a couple of games. Check out some of these prospects, and, and keep my finger crossed that they're, they're either Knicks or they are, they are trade chips for the Knicks to get a guy. But until next time, talk to you guys soon. We'll talk to everyone listening soon. I'm locked on Knicks.